Hello, everybody. My name is Arjun Dave Arora, and I am the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support funds and founders and help accelerate their efforts via people, capital, and strategy. And now, off to John. Hello, John Liu here, uh, co-founder of Valence Advisory, and I am the lead on uh, leadership coaching and all sorts of good things with Arjun Aurora. But today, uh, enough about us. We have a wonderful guest. His name is Shil Manat, and he is uh, very seasoned, both as an operator and an institutional investor, and obviously a lot of other things in his life other than his work. And so, Shil, why don't you introduce uh, yourself to the audience and tell us a bit about what you're up to these days. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Shiel. I am a San Francisco-based venture capitalist. I invest in fintech companies, typically as a lead investor at the earliest stages at Seed. And before I started doing this, I was an operator a couple of times, but both in, in fintech. And uh, I have a partner that I work with on this. Uh, his name is Jake. Uh, and our fund is called Better Tomorrow Ventures. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. And so, um, Shil, you know, uh, having been an operator more than once, how did you yeah. get into venture? Why? Why did you get in venture? And, you know, is the same reason that you're still in venture? Or how has that evolved, if any, over time? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think, like, so I got into venture because when I was an operator, I was raising from VCs, I thought, um, you know, I like what's going on on the other side of the table. It's like, those people seem like really smart. They seem like they're the ones giving me money. Like I, I'm like going after bowing at their feet. I want to be on that side. Um, now, of course, like now that I am a venture capitalist, I know that actually like, it's not that the VCs are smarter or anything like that, but I, I've wanted to do it for a long time. And then you know, after, after the first exit, I had a little bit of cash. So I started doing some angel investing and I found that I really enjoyed that. And the part that I enjoyed was actually helping companies at the earliest stages. I had moved from Chicago to San Francisco when, when the company got acquired. And for me, angel investing was about, I think three different things. It was one, like moving here, like getting to know people, like, I can hang up a shingle and then people will, will like meet me. It was a different time back then, 2012. But um, two, it was like, maybe I'll be inspired by these people and I'll, I'll want to start something or join them. And then three, it was like, you know, okay, I, I might make money. And then four was like, this is a foray into an entree into becoming a real venture capitalist. And so those are, those are my reasons for doing it. And then, you know, a few years later, I ended up becoming a VC with Arjun and, uh, and really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. And then, uh, today, uh, with the fund you're raising, same reasons you're still in the game. Yeah. The same reasons, which is, and the reason I invest at the seed stage is I love having impact and like really helping companies. Um, I love like thinking through complex problems, particularly around strategy distribution, hiring, that sort of stuff. And, and then of course, like helping companies raise the next round. So I'd say like, those are the things that I really enjoy doing, have done several times in the past and can see myself doing for the foreseeable future. Like I, I don't see myself doing anything else. I really enjoy it. Nice. Well, what a, uh, what a fortunate gift to find the career that you take to your grave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel really lucky. 
Um, yeah, I'm really and, fortunate um, to be able to do it. You know, be, being an early stage, very early stage, seed stage, and sometimes even yeah. earlier than seed, right? Investor, yeah, pre-seed, seed, pre-seed yeah. Angel. Um, how, what have you learned in terms of what to look for in those early stage founders? And more importantly, how, how have you developed your thinking around being supportive on how they build out their strategy or supportive of building their company, especially when what they're building doesn't really have a precedence where they can't say, I am the Uber for, but they're trying to actually communicate something that they see that's very unique to them that arguably most people have to actually catch up to or get educated on in order to actually see the founders thinking. They, they can't draw on uh, biases of the past. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think a lot of, it's interesting because in FinTech nowadays, I invest in FinTech and um, it feels like there aren't a lot of new thoughts. There's a lot of derivative thinking, um, but for the truly new opportunities or, or what I'd say, like when I started in this five years ago, it felt like there were a lot more new thoughts. Um, and you have to just like make people believe you have to paint a picture about what a future looks like and how your product helps them get there. And so that's, you know, we love helping our founders do that at the early stages. Yeah. And what do you, when you're looking at those early stage founders, whether they're, you know, kind of producing things that are more derivative or, or tangential to what already exists or looking at something truly visionary, what are the things that you're looking for in those founders? Maybe, you know, with your FinTech lens, but you've also done investing uh, outside of FinTech. So maybe more broadly as well. Yeah, for sure. So I would say the main thing I look for is a founder who can clearly articulate their vision. And it's weird because you might say like, well, what does clearly articulating your vision have to do with building a big company? And I'll say, well, if you can't clearly articulate your vision to me, you're not going to be able to sell your customers. Uh, You're not going to be able to sell future employees. And you're not going to be able to sell future investors. So like a, a clearly articulated plan for what you want to do and how you're going to go execute on it is really important to me. You know, because I invest in a specialized sector, FinTech, I do like, I do like the people that I work with to know the space really well. And oftentimes they, I want them to teach me something um, a lot of times. And then I'm looking for leaders that I think can lead a company of hundreds of people in the future. And sometimes you just don't get that feel and there's no way to quantify it. It's like a gut feeling that you have, but we're only looking to invest in companies that will have massive outcomes. And so I want to believe that this leader is going to get them there. Nicely said. It's, um, it's simple, but effective given your track record, right? Yeah. And you know, it, it reminds me of something. It's like, if you can also simply communicate it or communicate something effectively, uh, one could argue that you've really understood the essence of the problem you're solving to a, a level of detail that allows you to get it across uh, simply. Whereas if you have to go into talking about code, <laughs> yeah, probably not, <laughs> probably not the right direction. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I never thought about this until you just said that, but uh it's like if you think about how like Steve Jobs described a new product versus how like the PC industry described a new product. It was like Steve described like a vision and that 
vision is like what you were buying into versus um, the PC industry brought into like a bunch of numbers and jargon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. nice said, and you know, you know, having been, um, having been an investor for some time now and also having been an operator yourself and working so closely with founders, what do you, I mean, for up and coming founder potential who, who they might be first time founders. Um, what do you wish that crowd would know more of before they got involved in raising their first uh, round? If any, that, you know, and it can be, it's totally an open-ended question. It could be like, wish they knew more about VC or wish they, you know, drew, drew on more resources available to pitch or <laughs> it could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, I wish they thought more about who they pitch and who they want to have involved. Um, and I, I think, you know, for, for me, it's pretty clear at the seed stage, what you want typically is you want to work with people that are going to help you most at the, and give you the most support at the seed stage. So people that have founder empathy, operational know-how, industry experience, and a good signal for future investors. Um, and I think people don't think about it as much as they should. Obviously, I'm talking my own book here, but I think that's really critical. I think, and by the way, I think like at series A, what matters, what can be more helpful is actually a strong brand and a strong brand can be helpful for recruiting and other things. And then series B and beyond, I think you can just go for the best terms you get. Um, but I, so I think that's one thing that people miss a lot. Um, I think people also, you know, they don't know how to run a process and I try to help people run a process as much as possible. Um, you want to talk to as many folks as you can around the same time. And that's what I've found to be the most effective. Um, trying to think of other things I wish I knew, ma'am, there's so much, I, like when I was getting started, I didn't know anything. We were really figuring it out as we went. And I would say, you know, it's important to understand the industry that you're in and understand, you know, how this process works. So talk to, talk to your friends who've done it before and get guidance from them around building an effective pitch and, and delivering it. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, and we, and as you said, you could probably share a, a number of other things that <laughs> you wish you knew beforehand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, curiously enough, you know, like really like the way you mentioned that you wish founders knew to be more thoughtful about who they selected yeah. at the early stage. How, like, I mean, thinking in their shoes, I mean, it's obvious, understandable why expediency is. So <laughs> it's, it's such a temptation, right? Where you need money, mm -hmm. you see the vision, and, and you know for sure that to execute upon it, it's not it's not brains you're needing, it's resources, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. so why is it important? Is that yeah, like- how do you, well, yeah. how do you Actually, like what sort of muscle needs to be trained, if any, or what do they, you think they need to hear um, to be able to take a step back and actually breathe and go, 
okay, if I don't raise in the next month, maybe it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Even though the bank is like, <laughs> the bank account is digging and they're thinking thoughts of like, oh, yeah, on personal debt, should I put in a bit of my own money? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think the way to think about it is like, you're with whoever is investing in your company, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be with them for probably, you know, 10 years. And that's a long time to get into business with somebody if you don't feel great about them. And so I like to think of it as a wedding and, you know, would you, would you marry somebody that you just met and don't know that well and don't think that amazing of probably not. So I think about it that way. And I think, you know, it really is important to set yourself up for the future, to take the time and find the right fit for you. Thanks. Thanks for providing that perspective, but uh, we'll, we'll shift gears a bit more. So you've sure. had, you've had quite a, um, uh, a career in VC that I think spans well over a decade, right? Shield? Um, in VC, it's, it's actually, uh, I guess now four and a half years. Okay. Um, but I, I, but I, but I mean, you're not wrong. Like I have been angel investing since 2012. Oh, since 2012. Wow. Yeah. Great. So, uh, some of the most memorable moments you've had as an investor. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's always fun to see your companies have success. And so uh, every sort of up round, you know, you're, you're celebrating a little bit. Um, I'd say moments where I learned a lot are, uh, you know, helping co-founders separate. Um, you know, it's, it's happened now multiple times in my portfolio and I feel like I've learned so much every time about how to do it. And that's one thing that I'm sure is going to happen again in the future. And I'm much better prepared for, um, I, you know, I think going into this, there's a lot I didn't know. And so every time I learn something that I know I can share to future entrepreneurs, I get really excited. Oh, that's very cool. And, you know, you talk about uh, learnings you've had along the way that you can share with entrepreneurs or, um, you know, specifically even around co-founder divorces. <laughs> the, uh, throughout your career as an angel investor and venture capitalist, what did, what did you learn about yourself, you know, going through the ups and downs of the industry? Yeah. Well, I, okay. So one thing I, I learned is I like this more than being an operator. <laughs> I, uh, uh, because I can be there, be helpful, give the advice, but then don't have to execute on it. And, you know, that's a criticism oftentimes, but that's what I like about it also. Um, I was a management consultant in a previous life and that's also the criticism there. <laughs> you know, they tell us what to do, but then they don't actually execute on it. And that's what I do now. So yeah, that's, I learned that I, I enjoy that. And, and I feel like that's been, that's helpful to me in terms of like what I like to do as, as a career. Oh, nice. And you know, um, probably want to give you an opportunity to also clarify it because I think there's a misperception that, and it could be argued that as an institutional venture capitalist, that your actions aren't, have no consequence or that you're not accountable to someone else. Right. Like, yeah. And whereas 
I'd like to give an opportunity to share some of the moments where, you know, you are a steward of, and responsible for big pools of capital that aren't entirely your own, right? Because when you're yeah. an investor, you're writing straight out of your bank account. Yeah. And then you go institutional and you're like, oh, there is a consequence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> saying yes. And can you kind of like get into that and communicate that to the audience a bit more? Because I think people understand it intellectually, but it'd be great for you to provide some perspective of any sleepless nights or <laughs> where or yeah. gone either way on a deal and mm -hmm. it wasn't an easy call, you know? Yeah, it, you're right that it is very different being a steward of other people's capital. And, you know, when I was an angel investor, I was writing typically 25K checks versus now I'm writing a million dollar plus checks. And it's not, for the most part, not my capital. So there's a lot that I have to think about. And, um, and it does impact certain things. Like I don't move as quickly. I, um, you know, have a lot of legal review. I, uh, I can't just invest in all my friends anymore and I have to win the deal. So those are all things that are different. And the other thing that I, this is not quite an answer to your question, but one, one of the things I realized in getting institutional is we can't write small checks anymore. Like we, especially because we only invest in fintech, we're only going to invest in one company in a category. So we need to get the ownership that we need. So that's, that was a learning that I thought, like, I thought, I always thought like, why wouldn't a fund write a small check to be supportive? And now, now I know that's not the way it works. And our LPs care about ownership. And I always thought like, why do they care about ownership? But now I understand it. It's a function of time that I have and also a function of influence on the company. Like, because of the position that I'm in as a lead investor, I have certain rights in the company. I'm a board member oftentimes, and that's important to my LPs in a way that I didn't think about or was not important to me as an angel investor. Oh, that's super helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful. And so, you know, when you go from writing smaller checks to bigger checks that require a lot more diligence, what are some of the consequences, whether positive or negative, that your brain like runs through before you get to conviction on a yes or no? Yeah, um, there are a lot. One thing is, first of all, like I have to do a lot more due diligence now than I did before. <laughs> and I didn't always like, as an angel investor, like I never wrote a deal memo. Um, you know, I, I was always uh, just kind of going with the flow, going with my gut feel. Now I write a very detailed deal memo and it actually helps codify my own thoughts. Um, and then in terms of diligence, you know, if you're writing a 25 K check, you meet a founder, you can write a check. Now, if you're writing a million dollar plus check, it's probably like, you know, three to four hours with an entrepreneur and then probably another five to 10 hours of work uh, on the phone, like diligencing the team. So like talking to people that they've worked with in the past and then diligencing the opportunity. And, you know, that's at my stage, which is at the earliest stages of the company. So what I focus more on is the team because the idea and the market can change and the team typically does not. So that's, where I spend my time and what I have to be doing now as a 
institutional seed investor. And um, it's uh, it's obviously worked well for you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very early, but uh, I've I've certainly enjoyed it, and we've had some early success. But you know, that's the other thing in this business is like you don't really know how good you are for a really long time. It takes a long time to get to exits. And so you don't have immediate feedback the way that a public market investor does. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a different game, but, but I enjoy it. Thank you. And, and so, and obviously you're respecting confidentiality, you know, when you look back at some, have you ever looked back on a deal that ended up not playing out so well? And then looking at the memo and going, what went wrong? Was there, was it fully an unforeseen risk? Was it something I flagged as a, a more minor risk than it turned mm-hmm. out? To be? You, like respecting confidentiality, but kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love if you no, could share it, a bit about your process of learning, and you know, it's very clear. It's just uh, it's always people, and um, the times when things went wrong, I didn't diligence the people enough, and I didn't. Um, and so now that's why I do a lot more. I might go overboard on it. Um, it would, you know, it's not to say that actually, you know, I've invested in people that, uh, had a mixed bag of feedback, but I wanted to get all that feedback and know what I'm getting into first. And that helps me address it. But yeah, I mean, there've been several times where I screwed up by not investing in the right people you know, various things. Um, once, you know, I didn't like their, some of the judgments that they made that in hindsight, you know, I know now if I talked to the people that they worked with before I could have gotten to that earlier or, you know, people aren't as scrappy as I want. So that, that is another people judgment that I probably could have figured out earlier on. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and some of those things are, are easy to overlook, right? <laughs> for sure. For sure. But it's where, it's where like just the time and practice in venture helps you get over it. Like the way to get better is to, you know, have practice and make mistakes the first time around. And fortunately in, in our first fund, we got, um, we got lucky a bunch of times that made uh, those mistakes and learnings like, much easier to much more palatable. Uh, and so now hopefully this next time I'll make fewer of those mistakes and I'll make a different type of mistakes this time. Thanks for sharing. I mean, you've been, you've been more than helpful in really giving us a bit, bit of insight into being a C stage investor. The, the other thing, um, I want to give an opportunity because we're hitting, uh, for home and on time is, uh, you know, as you, as you grow your fund with Jake, obviously, yeah, but because Jake's not here, I'm going to focus on you. Okay, um, yeah. You know, VC investors, there's a certain persona or perception that most founders have about uh, venture capitalists. But if there are a few things that you would really want founders to know about you, you as a person, yeah. you as an investor, what what would you hope they really understood? So... A couple of things that are like really cliche in venture, I'll say, which is, I think, you know, we're in this because we want to invest in a better future. I feel like it's really cliched, but it's actually true for me and Jake. Like we genuinely think that 
our companies can make the world better and, and financial services is, is a great entry point into improving people's lives. So we truly care about that. Um, again, it sounds hokey, but it's something that is true for us. And then, you know, there's this also this notion of uh, VCs not actually being helpful. And there's this like, how can I be helpful trope? I'd say like, we get real joy out of helping our founders think through issues and being there for founders. We tend to, for with most of our founders, we're talking to them like on a daily or every couple of days basis. So um, we truly wanna be there for the founder all the time. And it does motivate us, um, like us having impact on the company is really motivational for us. So we, don't want to just be, you know, obviously we're, we're cheerleaders on the sidelines as well, but we also want to be that trusted partner that they come to. So I think like that, uh, we just, I'd say like, even though it's a notion that VCs aren't helpful, we really try to be. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. And um, I know it's quite a direct question to ask <laughs> in the interview, but um, is there anything else you'd like to share uh, before we uh, close this up? Um, no, this has been great. Really, really fun interview. Yeah, no, it's great. Thanks. Yeah. So hopefully for any time watching this, reach out to Shield. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <Shield's> <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thanks right, guys. Thanks, yeah. It's fun.